my missing persons case is 17-year-old Alyssa Marie Turney. Alyssa Turney. Alyssa Turney. Alyssa Turney. On this episode, we're going to tackle a mystery out of Phoenix, Arizona, with a lot of disturbing twists and turns. 17-year-old Alyssa Turney vanished. Alyssa Turney. Alyssa Turney. Alyssa Marie Turney. Disappearance of Alyssa Turney. And today's a really exciting episode because we are talking about the case of Alyssa Turney. Okay, so today we are doing um, Alyssa Turney. Alyssa Turney. Alyssa Turney. Alyssa Marie Turney was a 17-year-old from Phoenix, Arizona. And someone reached out to me there and said, would you please cover the story of my missing sister? Uh, and ever since, I have essentially been uh, in contact, I think daily, with uh, Sarah. Her name is Sarah Turney, and her sister is Alyssa. But do the clues to Alyssa's disappearance point much closer to home? Mike was watching his own children through video camera. Alyssa had told them very graphic things, very disturbing things. Secret home movies, a warehouse packed with evidence, and a cold case that turns hot. Again, there's only two people that can confirm whether I did it. One is me, and the other is Alyssa. A family torn apart. My name is Sarah Turney, and you might have heard of my sister Alyssa's story before. Be there at the deathbed, sir, and I'll give you all the honest answers you want to hear. Why aren't you giving them to me now? Because you got them now. But I promise that you've never heard it like this. On Voices for Justice, I'm going to dive deep into Alyssa's case like never before. I'm going to interview people you've never heard from, and I'm going to expose more about the police, my family, and myself than ever before. I'm not asking you to move forward on it. I'm asking you to acknowledge that he wasn't briefed on the case, which you're not going to do, and I understand, but he wasn't. He said that he was aware that there were no sexual allegations, which is completely crazy to me because there's over 25 people in your documents that allege this. So when he says that, I don't know what he's talking about. I've held back a lot for a long time and I'm ready to release it on my own terms. The police told me that my best chance is media exposure, and I've been working for years to amplify my voice through others. But now, I'm ready to make some noise. Subscribe to Voices for Justice today on iTunes and most podcast players. Allegations, as you say, were people saying Alyssa said something had happened. Um, you know, he tried something, but there weren't any specific I had told them very graphic things, very disturbing things. So that may have been what Sergeant Chorus was referring to. There were no specific acts that anybody was aware of. Okay, whatever you'd like to say, I'm not going to go round and round. It's all email is public record, and I'm happy with that. This is True Consequences, a true crime and mystery podcast with stories based in New Mexico in the American Desert Southwest. The following episode discusses themes which may be difficult for some listeners. It deals with issues of domestic violence, child abuse, neglect, and child murder. Listener discretion is advised. 
If you or someone you know is a victim of domestic violence, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. To report child abuse or suspected child abuse, please call 1-855-333-SAFE or dial pound S-A-F-E from a mobile device. New Mexico has never done a great job of protecting children from child abuse. This is an issue we as a community cannot seem to figure out. According to statistics released by the Child, Youth, and Families Division in New Mexico, in 2018, 15 out of every 1,000 kids in New Mexico were victims of abuse and neglect. In 2017, that number was 25 out of 1,000. To put things in perspective, the national average in 2018 was only 9 out of 1,000 cases. And in a 2019 Albuquerque Journal article, Dan McKay states, only three states had a higher rate of child maltreatment than New Mexico in 2017, the most recent year for which data is available. I have said over and over again on this show that the problem of child abuse and child murder in New Mexico is not new. These challenges and issues continue to plague New Mexico to this day, and they will continue to be an issue unless we are willing to face it and address it. This episode is very close to home for me. It is the story of why I started this show. It is the story of the murder of my brother, Jacob, from 33 years ago. Season two of True Consequences will feature stories like this in a new segment called New Mexico's Forgotten Children. On April 10th, 1987, my mom, Brenda, was working her shift at a local grocery store in Socorro, New Mexico. She received a call from my grandmother stating that she needed to leave my baby brother Jacob somewhere so that she could go to church. My mom only had an hour left on her shift and figured my brother could safely be left with her boyfriend at the time. Shortly after my brother was dropped off, my mom's boyfriend runs frantically into her workplace to let her know that my brother was on the way to the hospital. I start this episode by speaking with my mom and walking through the details of the case. At one point, she becomes unable to continue as she is overcome with emotion. I will step in and continue the story for her. Then we will resume the interview. I'm hoping that this episode will get people talking about the issue of child abuse in New Mexico. I did not initially want to release an episode about my brother because I was worried that it would be too intense. I now realize that by telling my story, I am breaking my own stigma related to this issue. And if this story can help just one child in New Mexico or anywhere else, then it was all worth it. I'm Eric Carter Lundine, and this is True Consequences. Why don't we start with you telling me about Jacob? What you remember about him? I just remember he was funny and he liked to laugh and he liked to pull drawers and make all the silverware fly out. (laughs) (laughs) And he was just a silly boy. He was really smart. Like for being a baby. Yeah. He was so smart. It was like ridiculous how smart he was. I remember like he used to take the swing and whenever it would swing forward he would grab the front legs of the baby swing and like throw <laughs> the whole thing backwards and just lay there and laugh. Try to flip it over. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd be like <clears throat> his little laugh. Yeah, his laugh was amazing. It's- brought me joy just to hear it he was so happy 
He was a happy little baby. Well, big baby. <laughs> yeah, he was big. He was big. He was 10 pounds. <laughs> like, huge for me. <laughs> I remember um, right before you got pregnant, and I told you, Mom, I'm going to have a brother. Yeah. And you didn't believe me. <clears throat> I thought it was going to be a girl. <laughs> and it was a boy. Sure. You were right. <laughs> I love that little kid. Yeah, he was really lovable. I just remember I wanted him so bad. I wanted a brother so bad. Like, I was so desperate. Yeah, he would dance to the music and <laughs> hit remember. the stereo with his hand in the walker, and he would be moving his butt. <laughs> I remember that. Oh, my God, at McDonald's. And I wouldn't ask him what he wanted. He would scream. <laughs> Even though he couldn't talk, he would scream at me because I didn't get his order. <laughs> it was hilarious. And uh, do you remember how old he was when you and Dad split up? He was probably six months, maybe. I think about six months. Yeah. And we moved from Texas home to Socorro yeah. so we could be with family because things weren't working out for us in Texas yeah so yeah. I just remember and I don't know if this is like a real memory or not but I remember before even before Jacob and this isn't really probably the episode to be slamming my dad but I remember how difficult it was for you because it would just be you and me a lot. Yeah, it was hard because he was never around, really. He would go with his friends before we woke up and come back after we were asleep. So we really wouldn't see him or anything. He really didn't, like, think, <laughs> you know, I have a family I need to feed. He just thought about himself, basically. Well, I remember there were times where you were worried about feeding me and taking care of me. Yeah, it was hard. There was a little old lady that lived in the apartment village. I don't know if you remember, but we would take a walk every day and uh, we would pray, you know, for God to help us, to feed us. And we'd take a, a walk around the apartment complex. By the time we got back, there was a food on the doorstep every time. She would bless us. God would bless her. He used her to bless us. Yeah. We got everything. Everything you wanted was in the bag. <laughs> Stupid Chef Boyardee. All the way down to the beef aromas. <laughs> Kool-Aid. Everything we needed was in that bag. And God put her there. She was our angel. She really helped us a lot. I don't know if she heard our prayer or... I don't know. She just... Came out of nowhere. But I know it was that one lady that put food on our door almost every day. <laughs> it, it's really, I mean, I can't imagine how difficult it was for you as a mom. And then just knowing that your husband was out doing whatever, you know. It didn't matter. The only thing that mattered is that you had food and you were okay. And we had a place to go. Nothing else mattered. 
I think the only reason I, I bring this up is because I, I, mean, I feel like it's important to set the picture of what was going on in our family, you know, when we left, when yeah, we left my dad. important. He essentially would abandon us for days and days at a time and then call and be like bragging about eating lobster and steak and stuff. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah, he was ridiculous. He just wasn't grown and he wouldn't think about anybody, like I said. I guess he's naive. Selfish. Selfish. Yeah. <laughs> That's how they raised him. Like, I don't know what happened. But... I remember when I was like maybe three or four. I don't even know why I remember this. And if, I, if I'm like making this up, tell me. But I, I remember one time you were like washing the dishes and you were just crying. And I, I remember I went up to you. And I said, Mom, when I'm grown up, I'm going to be better than my dad. I'm going to take care of my family. Yeah, you did. You're smart beyond your years. Hmm. You got you got the whole picture, not just part of it. You were more grown than we were, I think, <laughs> <laughs> in your mind and in your thoughts. And you think, had it all together. Well, I think I've always had a sense for what's just and what's not. And I knew that wasn't right. I knew that wasn't fair and it wasn't okay. Yeah. So, you know, I I understand, I guess is what I'm saying, why why you decided to take us home, why you decided it was better. And I think it was the right choice. It was hard because if I had to work and take care of everybody, I might as well come home and do it here. Well, at least we had. Where I had family and, people you that know, help. people that care. Yeah. Instead of nobody. Yeah. Except people, you know. Except for me and you. Yeah, and that one lady <laughs> that I don't even know. But God bless her. So, Jacob's like six months. We come back over here. And you had already started seeing We were just talking. He, like, he weaseled his way into my life, basically, because it was a con... He'd tell me lies about, well, they weren't lies, but he would tell me, you know, stuff to make me question your dad. You know, like, he's calling so-and-so behind your back and this and that. And I look at the phone bill, and sure enough, you know, it's on there. But I didn't know he was using it to try to get me away from him. Right. Like, conniving kind of way, you know. He just, like, was ploying and plotting and thinking of how he could get us to break up. Yeah. And he pretty much did it because he left his wife and I left your dad and then, you know, I don't know how it happened, but he weaseled his way into my life. I started talking to him and I don't even know what happened. I never really liked him, but he was just there. He, like, manipulated his way in, it sounds like. He knew what to say and how to say it and I think it's important to know that he was my dad's best friend yeah that's the whole thing is you know he was using your dad to try to hurt me and he was your dad's best friend so I wanted to get back at him and the best way I could think of is you know his best friend that would hurt him the best instead of hurting him I, I put myself and you in a predicament that and Jacob, that we can't, couldn't escape. <clears throat> yeah, but you can't take responsibility for the actions of a psychopath. It's not your fault. I 
blame myself for many years, but I've come to realize that it's not my fault. You have no control over his behavior. He, and I remember when I first met him, I think like we went to his place to watch movies one night and he was like so charming and so fun. Like I remember I was like, oh, I like this guy. He's actually interested and he's talking to me and he, you know, so I like anybody would have fallen for that. Anybody would have seen that as a good thing and not saw through that because he was really good. He was a good con. At hiding who he really was. Yeah. It was, I don't know how many years he's done it, but he was a pro at making himself look good and Mm -hmm. making people feel comfortable around him. And I think we had to learn some of those skills later as well. That's true. So you're, you're dating him. Kind of. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's in my life. He's in your life. Okay. No matter what yeah. happened, I don't yeah. know. He weaseled his way into my life. Yeah. Even though I didn't like him. And he conned me into, you know, I don't know. I guess I kind of liked him and kind of believed him after a while. Yeah. Because he was a good con artist and he lied to me. He told me everything I wanted to hear, I guess. I feel like everything moved pretty quickly before I knew it. we were living with him. Yeah. He was like... I don't know how to even explain it. He was like a some animal waiting to pounce, mm-hmm. basically. I I see what you mean. It's like he was waiting. He saw an opportunity in the trouble that you were having with my dad, and yeah. and took advantage of it. Basically, yeah. That's the whole story. Is he took advantage of me when I thought you know he really cared. Well, and, you were your most vulnerable too. Yeah, and he didn't care. He never cared. But that doesn't matter. For my listeners, want them to know that we're not going to use his name. Uh, the person who's responsible for so much trauma in my family's life. We just don't feel like, first of all, it's not a closed case. It's still open, even though it's cold. And I don't want to jeopardize any of that. But also, he's really not worth any... Mention or yeah, acknowledgement of who he is. Um, as as far as I'm concerned, he's just a, a piece of shit, child killer. Yeah. So, I think it, again, if you need to take a break, okay. it, we're going into some heavy stuff here. It's okay. In a second, I, I could do it. So, shortly after. Things started happening to Jacob. It was like stuff, weird stuff would happen. Like there was sunflower seed shells in his bed, in his crib. You know, um, he was getting hurt all of a sudden for unexplainable reasons. And basically he, what he told me was lies. He would tell me that my son, you, kicked Jacob in the head. When he was walking by, that he happened to see it and this and that, but that wasn't true. He was actually, I believe, he was hitting him every time he got a chance. Every time we turned our back, he was hurting my child, your brother. I remember being blamed. I remember being very confused. And, you know, I think you know me better than most people, and I 
especially at that age, really wanted to make everybody around me happy. And so I think I said what people wanted me to say or what was being said to agree with them because I didn't want to cause problems. But I think I, he made you say that because he said for you not to lie and stuff like that. So I think he coerced you to say stuff that wasn't really happening to cover his own butt. Yeah. And at this point for me, I wasn't, there was no abuse towards me yet from him. Like that he was still writing it. Yeah, he was still relatively, like, nice to me and would hang out and nothing. I don't remember him hitting me or, or any of that at this time. He wouldn't touch you because he knew he would tell me. I was about five. Yeah. I think. You're almost six. So it's kindergarten time. I remember, I remember that because I remember I loved my kindergarten teacher. <laughs> she was so cool. And then I had to go to California and get a new teacher. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's not, I felt that I needed to remove you because I, even if something would happen, I don't want you to be blamed. And I knew that he would use you and blame you no matter what, regardless. And you told him that it was because you wanted to keep Jacob safe for me just so that, cause that's what he wanted to exactly. hear. Exactly. Um, so you called my dad. Yeah. I called your dad and I said, you know, this and this is happening and. I don't know what's going on, but I want Eric removed from this situation because I just, I couldn't understand what was happening. And I knew you weren't doing anything to your brother because you loved him. You loved that little boy. And I kept hearing, you know, he dropped him, he picked him up out the crib, he dropped him. I walked by, he kicked him, you know. Everything was like, Eric did this, Eric did that. And Eric's so jealous, and, you know, it wasn't true. And so I had to make sure that no matter what happened, you were protected. A teacher, no, you know, you needed to get away from that situation. And that's all I knew at that time. Yeah. But you also had some suspicions, I think. I did. And my mom and dad did. They told me, you know, he has a bump on his head one day, and... I rushed him to the ER. They had to drain his head. The doctor never told me, you know, somebody's beating him, nothing. They just took care of him and sent him home and didn't really explain nothing to me. And I I was lost and confused, and I didn't know what to do or who to turn to. Well, and it was like 1985 or 86. 86. He was born in 86. July. So, I don't know what the reporting laws were like back then for... It wasn't nothing like it is now because they didn't have the forensics or whatever. Or if even if they did, they laughed at you, you know? They wouldn't help you. They just make a joke out of it. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the time that Grandma tried to put him on her shoulders? Do you remember that? Yeah, she kind of, she just, like, didn't put her on her shoulders. She just lifted him, like, above her. Like, above her head. Like you do babies. Yeah. Put him, pick him up. He didn't want no part of that at all. He was terrified that, he, you know, and I went, and I, when I got home, I asked him, 
why is Jacob so scared? Are you playing rough with him or what's going on? And he's like acting like, what do you mean? I don't know what you're talking about. And so I put him up a little bit and he started screaming and holding on to me and just like freaking out. And I said, this is what I mean. You know, no baby should act like that. Why is he doing that? And he's just like, oh, he, he always does that whenever I do play with him like that. And he got him and, you know, he took him away from me and tried to do that. And Jacob was just screaming. He wouldn't stop. I had to just take him away from him. I told him, don't you ever, ever play with my son rough like that. If I ever catch you, I swear to God, I'll hurt you. And, you know, he said, oh, I won't. And I won't. And I don't know. Everything came out of his mouth as a lie. So I think that's important for people to understand and like why we're so adamant that this is the person that did this right um aside from the fact that he tried to blame a six-year-old boy (laughs) for all of this stuff um jacob like you talked about a little bit before but jacob was not a fraidy cat he was not a scared kid he was crazy he was he liked it he he enjoyed like crazy stuff yeah being thrown around and stuff like that before this idiot came into the picture like i even talked about how you used to pick up the whole swing with him he you said he pulled the uh silverware drawer open and all this i remember all the knives mm-hmm. and forks and everything it makes so much noise nothing scared him so for him to act that way was out of the ordinary for him because he wasn't a, he had no fear exactly that should bring red flags to anybody that mm-hmm. if their kid acts like scared of anything like that, they're holding on to you so tight. Just pay attention to that. That's mm-hmm. a sign, a real big sign. You know, I was 26 and stupid. I'll, I'll admit it, but pay attention to how they're reacting mm-hmm. and, you know, what they react to because that'll tell you a lot. Yeah. He, um, so I remember. I don't remember a lot from that time. I remember being in California. I remember going to school there. Um, I remember my dad and I were like staying in a garage, like almost like a garage of someone's house in bunk beds. I don't even know. I think you were with Nikki and somebody and Nina would take you to school. She was in a wheelchair. Yeah, I used to sit in the front of her wheelchair and she would... So I knew you were okay, so I was okay with you being there for a little bit. But I wasn't going to leave you there forever. I just wanted to see what what would happen and, you know, get you out of that blaming game that he was playing. Because I didn't believe none of that. When the weird stuff didn't stop after yeah, I left Yeah, weird stuff got worse. Yeah. You know, Jacob, when I would try to put him down, he would just hold on to me so tight he didn't want to let go. And... You know, that's something that people need to hear. If you take your child somewhere and they don't want to let go, there's a reason. You know, that's the first sign. Yeah. I didn't get it. I thought he just, he didn't want to let me go because I'm mom. That wasn't it. He was terrified. He was scared. He was holding on. He wouldn't want to let me go. And I didn't understand why at all. It was just a nightmare, you know? Yeah. And I didn't know what was happening. Uh, I had a job at Supermart, and you were gone. And everything, you know, he had an operation on his head before you left, and Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure you weren't blamed, no matter what happened. 
And so I was at work and my mom called me about an hour before I was going to get out. And she said, I want to go to church. What do I do with the baby? Where do I take him? And I didn't know what to do. There's no cell phones. There's no whatever. All my family worked. And I, I said, I guess take him to my boyfriend. He was Then he was my boyfriend. Take him to him. I said, it's only an hour before I get out. What can happen in an hour? My exact words. I have forever regret those words. And that during that hour, I have felt so uneasy. I never told this to anybody. And I was begging, begging my manager, please, please let me go home. It's not busy. You don't need me here. He just laugh at me and say, no, go do this, go do that. And so I just made myself pray and say, you have to stay. And I just made myself work and it got a little bit busy. So I was checking out a customer. I heard the ambulance pass by. At that moment, he ran in the store. He said, Jacob's in the ambulance. I don't know what happened. I said, well, what do you mean Jacob's in the ambulance? And he just, he said, we got to go, we got to go. And I just ran out the store. I left the customer there. I don't know what happened. I just left. And I got to the ER, and my mom and dad were there. I don't even know how they got there or what happened. And I, Jacob was in, in the room, and I walked in, and I touched my baby on, on his chest. And he took a big, deep breath. I can't you. Mama was home. Mama was there with him. And they had to fly him to Albuquerque. They took him to Presbyterian. And the injuries were so bad, they had to airlift him to UNM Trauma Center. So it became very difficult for my mom to continue discussing Jacob's murder. She really had a challenging time just getting through it emotionally, and I don't blame her for that. It's one of the most traumatic things that ever happened to her. I promised my mom that I would jump in here and share with you the rest of the story. So Jacob was airlifted to the University of New Mexico Hospital, and he was rushed into emergency surgery. He didn't make it. He died shortly after they took him in for surgery and he succumbed to his injuries. I'm going to do another episode after this that's going to go through a lot of the legal documents that were created during the investigation of what happened to my brother. It's enough for me to say that it was very clear that Jacob died as a result of a blow to his head. And the medical examiner said that it was probably an open hand about the size of a man's hand. He also said that these injuries that he experienced, uh, the symptoms that he experienced after he was hit in the head, likely would have started half an hour after it happened. Shortly after, my grandmother dropped off my brother to my stepdad. My stepdad hit him in the head. And within 30 minutes... He was starting to vomit and convulse, 
and went into a coma. The reason I say this is because it was literally within minutes of being dropped off that he shows up at my mom's work and my mom hears the ambulance going by. So from my perspective, as a six-year-old, I was asleep in my bed in California. My dad woke me up to tell me that there had been a terrible accident and that my brother was being rushed to the hospital. I didn't really understand what happened, but my dad told me that I needed to get my stuff together so that we could go back to New Mexico. Uh, I believe it was that same morning we jumped on a flight and went back to Albuquerque. I remember that there was a state police officer along with my mom and my grandmother waiting for us at the airport. As soon as we got there, my mom told me what had happened. Jacob passed away overnight. My sweet little brother was gone. And I'll never forget that day. I'll never forget that feeling. So what happened next was a little bit challenging for me to understand because I was so young. But my mom ended up staying with her boyfriend at the time. And things just got worse from there. So we'll go back to the conversation I had with my mom to talk about this. So you can hear exactly what happened after Jacob died. I'm just, you know, I can't even imagine what kind of monster it takes to to hurt somebody. Can't a little even baby. talk. Can't even hurt anybody. And not only that, like, and maybe we're biased, but he was, like, he was so sweet and so like funny and happy and cute. Like he was such a good kid. He was. Even though he was a little bit crazy. <laughs> There's no reason to beat him to death just because he's a baby. Yeah. There's no excuse for that. That's just like an animal. What kind of animal would hurt a child like that? I don't understand still to this day. I, I don't I don't think I ever will understand. I don't think I don't think we ever will because I don't think that we have the capability to be that evil in inside of us, you know. Like I think you would to understand that? I know I don't, because I wanted to hurt him as bad as he hurt me, and I couldn't. Yeah. Because I'm not that person. I'll never get it. How can you hurt somebody that can't even fight back? Can't even say, help me. Just doesn't make sense that you have so much hatred in your heart that you would just dispose of a baby like trash. Freaking sad. I almost feel like, like everything he said about me and what he thought, I, like, I feel like all of that was basically him. Like, he was jealous of Jacob. He. That's exactly right. Everything he said he was doing, he would blame me for going out on him. He was chasing after 13 year old kids, stalking kids that I knew. You know, everything that he accused me of, he was doing. Everything he accused you of, he was doing. He was doing it all. He just thought he would never get caught. He thought he was so slick, so sly. He thought he was smart, smarter yeah. than everybody. He's still above the law and never going to get caught. Well, and he had all those connections. Oh, yeah. He's people. friends with the cops, working for the county. Access to all the files. They don't know how they disappeared. I'm not really comfortable asking you these questions because I know um, 
whatever you want to know, I'm, I'm willing to answer it. I know. I just don't want you to feel like I, I don't blame you for anything that you did. I know. And, uh, don't feel bad. Just whatever you want to know, just ask me. Cause I'm not going to take it like, like you think I am. Cause I just have to get the story out, you know? And so you have to know that's why I'm willing to talk to you. So, um, you know, it's, you, you've told me this already. I just need you to say it for, for this purpose. But like, why did you stay with him after that? The only thing that I cared about is finding out what happened to my son. I didn't care about anything else. I just wanted to know the truth. I wanted to know what happened to Jacob. And I stayed with him because, like I said, I wanted to hurt him. Like the way he hurt me. And my mind wasn't right. And I wasn't thinking right. And if I would have ever known he was like that, I would have never, ever, ever been around him. But I didn't know he hid it so good. Yeah. He told me everything I wanted to hear. He was so charming and such a con artist that I really thought he loved me. He didn't love me. He just wanted to use me and, you know, keep that over my head for three years. Um, He abused me. He put a knife to my throat. He said the only way I was going to get away from him would be in a body bag. When you have a dagger to your throat, you know, they say, are you leaving after they beat you and put a dagger to your throat and say that to you? <laughs> of course, you're going to say no. You know, how are you going to leave when they're trying to stab you in the throat and kill you right there? It's, it's scary. Well, I remember and. <clears throat> Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like after Jacob died, there was a good two or three years where it was relatively calm. He was just like, he hid out. He wouldn't even come around me for a week after Jacob died. I had to go look for him to see, you know, what's going on. I didn't know what was going on or what happened or all I kept saying is, it was an accident. It was an accident. And meet me at the graveyard so I could talk to you. you know, why am I going to meet him at the graveyard when he put my son in the graveyard? Yeah. You know, I'm thinking he's going to kill me over there. Well, I read that in the investigative report, and I thought that was really weird that he, <clears throat> I mean, even for him. Not just once, but over and over and over, he wanted me to go meet him at the graveyard, to talk to him at the graveyard. That's so creepy. Like, that is sick. Yeah. Who murders somebody and then tries to take the mother of the child you murdered to the grave of the kid? That don't make sense at all. That's just like, what? I can't even understand that. Like, I'm not a psychologist or anything, but I just, I always try to figure, you know, I always try to think about that. Like, what, what, what logic is it? I can't. There's no logic in it. Nothing to it. Yeah. I think he wanted to kill me. I still think he wants to kill me, but I'm going to speak my truth no matter what. For Jacob, he didn't have a voice and he deserves one. And I couldn't for the longest time even talk about it. When did he start hitting you? After Jacob died, everything changed after... I don't know what he told me, that he had to get married to me because he filed some kind of papers and 
he was going to go to prison and big old story. I don't know what it was, but he conned me into um, marrying him. I married him with the JP. After all of it was over, I went and asked the judge for an annulment. And I was granted one because it was so violent that nobody deserves that, is what the judge said. So it's erased that was, everything. That was years after the fact, though. That wasn't. That like... was three years. It was from <clears throat> 87 until 1990. And every time he kept telling me, I'm going to tell you what happened. I'm going to re- tell you what really happened. And he never did. And when I finally got the autopsy, 20. 40 pages, I don't even know how long it is because I can't get through it. Yeah, it's long. And it's all outlined right there. What happened to him? I don't know how much of this you know. After Jacob died, uh, things started changing. You know, I mean, he was obviously, he was hitting you. And I remember, (laughs) I think we were still on the other side of the freeway. We were still kind of in that same neighborhood where we lived when Jacob died. Because I think it was, we were living in a single wide at that time before we got the double wide. Right. Um, and I remember one day we were going to go somewhere as a family with, it was like you, me, his kids, him, and you guys were fighting the night before and you were all like black and blue. You had the bruises on your arms your eye was black. I remember we were all lined up, almost like like we're in the military, all four of us. And he was walking back and forth. And he said, if somebody asks what happened to your mom, what are you going to say? Over and over and over again until I said this answer that he wanted. And until it was perfect and until he believed me. And I almost felt like he was kind of like brainwashing us. Um, And also, he would like get in my face and be like, if you fuck this up, I'm going to kill your mom. Like real quiet so that even his kids couldn't hear it. But he was like right in front of my face. There's a lot of things that happened that I never told you because he always threatened to kill us. And I believed him. I knew... You have to believe him. Your brother's in the grave. I knew he was definitely capable of it. Um, but, like, there were times when... When it was just him and I. You know, his kids were with their mom and you were at work or something. This was, like... In the double wide on Main Street. I wouldn't be allowed to leave my room. All day. Like, I couldn't even go to the bathroom. And I remember <clears throat> I had all this stuff in my room. And at first I thought I was like, oh, I'm a lucky kid. I have a TV. I have a Nintendo. I have a refrigerator. I have all this stuff in my room that... Most kids don't have. But I think that was his way of imprisoning me. Try to make you hostage. Yeah. And so I would have to knock on my door. And I'd have to ask for permission to go to the restroom. And if he felt like I didn't really need to go, then I didn't get to go. I didn't know that. None of it. 
It gets worse. I'm sorry. It gets a lot worse. And I didn't tell you, not because I didn't trust you, but because I didn't want you to fucking die, you know? Um, one time he locked me in my closet, and he put the dining chair against the door so I couldn't get out of it because he was mad about something. I don't remember what it was. But I, I couldn't even be in my room. I had to be in the closet. I just... I never told you. I feel bad about that. But I also didn't want us to get killed either. So I was trying to save our lives. At least that's what I felt like. And I remember always feeling like, like we were walking on eggshells. I mean, do you remember when he would get mad if I gave him what he thought was a dirty look? Yeah, he would get mad if I cleaned the bedroom. He was psycho. Get mad for just anything. anything, any little wrong movement. Say something wrong, you do something wrong. Every hell breaks loose. We, I mean, we didn't, I don't feel like we really did anything wrong ever. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like. We did nothing to deserve that. Yeah. He's the one with the problem. I mean, there would be times where he'd be like, stop looking at me like that. And then I would just look down. And so I spent a lot of the time just looking at the floor because I was afraid that if I even just looked at him, that he was going to start beating the shit out of you. And then I would get locked in my room and that, you know what I mean? Like it was going to be the same shit. It, was... it wasn't even about you. It was just anything I did. It wasn't. It was, if he felt guilty, he would come home and beat on me because of what he was doing. It wasn't even like nothing to do with us. I think the point though is that like, we never knew what was going to send him over the edge. Yeah. It literally could be anything or nothing sometimes. It's true. It's hard to react to a psychopath. It's hard to be prepared because you never know. Right. I mean, it explains a lot of why we're both the way that we are in a lot of ways. You know, we're very, we can both be very reactive and very emotional about things and it's, makes sense that we would have those reactions because we couldn't even fucking look at him. Yeah. Can't even move without where you're going, what you're doing. Or like even just like the way I ate. Anything. And I think that really caused me to have a lot of hatred for myself. Because I felt like I was bad and damaged and wrong and I started, like, I started to believe that. You do. They put it into you so much that you actually believe it. Every time something would happen, he would always say, if anybody finds out about this, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill your mom. And I slept with, I had a can of Aquanet and a lighter and a steak knife under my pillow and a bat under my bed. That's scary. But I knew I needed to do something to protect myself. And I don't know if you remember this one time. It was like the middle of the afternoon. And he had locked me and his kids in our room. And he was beating the shit out of you for a long time. And then you stopped screaming. Yeah, I remember. And I broke out of my room through the window. I busted the uh, screen window out. And I started throwing rocks at your room window. You saved my life. I saved choking me. 
with the wire hanger because I kept telling him I was going to leave and I was going to leave. I choked me till I almost passed out. And when you jumped out the window, got him off of me. And that's the only thing that saved my life that day. Well, I remember he chased me out of the house and I ran across the street to the neighbors because I was friends with that little boy. And I was like banging on their door. I'm like, let me in, he's gonna kill me. Let me in, he's gonna kill me. And they pulled me inside. They already knew what was happening, I think. They they had to, I screamed as loud as I could. Nobody would ever help us. I mean, there was a state cop. Living in, in our the same area. area. Yeah. Maybe three houses away. He wasn't far enough not to hear. Um, but she pulled me in the house and she loved me. That her, the parents, they, we all got along. Because he used to go read to their little boy. <laughs> You're a good kid. And I remember I said, call the cops. He's going to kill us. It was like 1990 probably moved into that other trailer. And that's when I left him. I feel like he wasn't being as violent as before. Like, I feel like the double wide was the worst. Yeah. I don't know why, but he went psycho in there all the time. Mm-hmm. Like a Jekyll and Hyde. One day he's happy and smiling. The next day he's trying to kill you. Literally. I wonder what the hell is going on. Because then I feel like after we moved to that single wide... It calmed down a lot. Because he was busy stalking somebody else instead of us. My cousin? Trying to be at the bus stop and do all kinds of stupid stuff. So she was 14? 13. 13? And he was making, like, lewd calls? He was calling her and telling her to come over when I'm at work. And he thinks she's so pretty and I get mad at him because he's always staring at her and all this garbage. But she's, she's she's my little savior. She's a tough... Because she told me, and she told him in his face. She was very outspoken. I'm so happy for is. my family. Yeah. Yeah, she didn't care. <laughs> she told me right there in front of God and everybody. And that's what you need is somebody to help you get out before they kill you. Yeah. It's... Somebody that's going to stand up and tell you the truth in front of their face. And then I just don't care. Come hell or high water is coming out. <laughs> I think she saved both of us. She did. I don't even know she knows. She does because she went with me when I left him. Because I took the cop and I took her. And I took my sister and that's all I needed. is her and her big mouth. <laughs> 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 and I got away. <laughs> wow. Turned it around on him. I'm really grateful. And we got away. I'm grateful for her. Because for, I I think if we would have stayed there, I would have never told you anything. Yeah, I don't think you would have allowed it. But she really didn't have any reason to be afraid because she wasn't in it. She didn't know what was happening. And, <laughs> yeah. And I think even if she, I think even like if she was there, she would have. She still would have told me. She would have been mouthing off to him the whole time. Yeah. I'm not going to fucking say that to them. I'm not going to lie for you. I'm going to tell them that you hit her. Like, that's exactly Mm -hmm. who she would be. Exactly. (laughs) She don't care. I was too scared. No, but you had a reason. We were both too scared, and we both had a reason. You don't take, I'm going to kill you lightly. I'm going to kill your mom lightly. Especially when they already killed your brother. Yeah. So I get asked this question all the time. And honestly, I don't know how to answer it, but 
I think it's a question we both probably ask ourselves all the time, which is, how is he still free? <laughs> Who knows? That's just it. Like, why did they never press charges or do anything? Question somebody and just let them go after they admit what they did? That's ridiculous. I don't understand it still. I was shocked when I was reading the investigation report and at the end where it says certain officer told the investigator that a lie detector test would not be necessary in as much as they obtained a confession. But why they still do it? They still did a lie detector test that he failed. It, men- it mentions the confession twice. So how come they didn't do nothing to him? Why they cover it up? Yeah. When it's right there in black and white. Like, I don't understand hematoma and subdural hematoma, but I know that's not something good. All those injuries he sustained. Yeah, you it's... Know? I don't understand doctor's terms, but... It's, it's blood. He it's, basically was bleeding inside of his He was skull. killed. He, yeah. he hit him. He, he hit him. Well, and there's several I'm, points in there where the medical investigator, the investigating officer... Um, there's a couple of other people that it's on the death certificate. very clear. Yes, yeah, it's homicide by child, child abuse. abuse. It's right there. Why didn't they do something? Yeah. What, you, what else do you need? I don't understand how he never, like he never even had a grand jury trial. Nothing. Let alone a prosecution trial. Like he had nothing. He never had to answer. You said he did one night in jail? One night. And then he was gone the next day. His daddy took him out. What's that? And then you go hide. That's not a guilt. That's... So I know you were, like, pressuring the DA after you left him to do something. I was pressuring everybody. I was raising hell. (laughs) I remember. I just didn't understand why I didn't do nothing. And still... And I wrote letters, and I never got responses, and... I just didn't know what to do. Once I could talk about it, and I did know he was a liar. And everything he said was a lie. Once I got the autopsy. One thing that um, amazed me about you, amazes me still about you, is that you're probably the best person I've ever seen at documenting things. <laughs> I Like, I don't know anybody that's as good as you at that. Just... But- there's a reason. Well, I know it's you're smart about it. No, when you go to 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 court and you're trying to get a restraining order on somebody, and you say, "Well, he hit me. What day did he hit what you? What time? What time Where? did he hit yeah. you? What kind of stupid question is that? Like he's beating on me, and you want me to check the time and check the day? Like seriously? So once they did that to me, forget it. I write down. So I read through a lot of your notes and a lot of it took me, took me back there. Like I remember those days. I remember him like being right by my window saying shit to me through the window. uh, Like I'm going to fucking kill you and all this shit when I was like 11 or 12. Still trying to stalk us. And I used to be so afraid. Like I would sleep under my bed. Remember the orange bunk bed I had? Like the Ninja Turtles blanket. <laughs> uh, I remember that. I had like the Ninja Turtles blanket, pillowcase, and the trash can. Yeah. And the curtains. 
But he would be like, I'm going to fucking kill you. So I used to sleep under the bottom bunk. Or in my room. <laughs> or in your room. And do you, like, I don't know if you remember, but my personality, like, who I am now, I was not like that when you no, left him. You were really scared and scared to talk and a lot. You've changed a lot. You became Eric instead of who somebody's trying to make you be or make you confess to or whatever he's trying to do. Cause I don't understand that either because... I remember... Um, you don't do that. <clears throat> I remember Auntie used to get mad at me because I would apologize like all the time for nothing. I would just... like I literally would just walk around saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think it made you feel like everything you did is wrong was wrong. Like everything. Even breathing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Breathing, eating, having my eyes open. <laughs> it's just existing. Um, so, yeah. So, I remember I used to get in trouble because people would yell at me for saying sorry. And then I would say sorry because I was saying sorry too much. And, like, I just... You're traumatized. I was a scared little boy. You know, I was... You're traumatized. Yeah. There's no other way to say it. I never made eye contact with anybody. Like, I remember when you started dating dad and he used to yell at me. Because I wouldn't make eye contact. I wouldn't want to shake anybody's hand. And like before all that, I was a happy, hyper... A regular little boy. Little kid. You didn't have to watch everything you did. I used to do say. like choir and plays and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Soccer. Yeah, it took me... I think it took me a good year or two before I finally started to come out of that. You had to realize that I wasn't going to go back to him, ever. I think I was scared of that, for sure. There's no way I would go back to something like that. And it was around that time, too, that I told you the other stuff you did to me. I don't want to talk about that on here. Yeah, that's why. Because you opened up to me and you never had before. So that meant a lot to me. I mean, it's enough to say that he's a physical, mental, and sexual abuser. Yeah, that's too good of words, but yeah, sadly. And a psychopath. And a murderer. And a murderer. And a child, child murderer. Child abuser, for sure. Yeah. Number one, I heard somebody that can't even defend herself. That's a sad person. So I know that for for you and me, we've been sitting on this for... 30 years, 33 years. We both have really, I think, had a hard time. Our whole family, our whole family changed after Jacob died. Like, even... Everybody. Even the way they interacted with us as our family changed. The relationships that we had with them changed. Like, he literally perverted every aspect of our lives he just tried to literally destroy us even with our own family and so you know of course we love our family still and we're not we don't blame them for anything Mm-mm. it's hard to i i don't know how i would react in a situation like that either i mean it, it was shocking it was so shocking for everybody because Everybody loved Jacob. And he was healthy, and there's no reason for that to happen. 
And I don't think our family had experienced anything like that at that level. Ever. Before that. People got sick and died. But we never experienced, like, murder. No. Well, when you're growing up with somebody and you go to church with them and you go to school with them and you think they're normal and they act normal and present themselves to the world as normal. But inside they're really a Jekyll and Hyde monster killer. You know, it sounds like a movie, but it's for real. And they can just go on every day and it's not even blink twice about it. I don't get it. You know, people that I know that I'm close to, when I said I was going to do this episode, when I did the podcast, first of all, and I talked about Jacob a little bit, a lot of people were like, you didn't tell me that your brother was murdered. Uh, Yeah, I didn't. I don't, I don't walk around talking about this all the time, you know. Not a topic of conversation. It's, it's not something that I enjoy talking about. It's not something that I am comfortable talking about, honestly, because it hurts so much. And, um, even in like the safety of my mom's house, it's still hard. It still hurts. It's still fresh. Yeah. So, you know, I just, it's, I get so mad when I get accused of using Jacob's death to make money or to get famous or whatever. Like, I don't want any of that. I don't even care about that. Like, I'm losing money on this podcast. And it's not about that at all. In fact, the only reason I'm doing this, the only reason I'm telling this story is because I think it's important for people to understand that New Mexico has always, always failed at taking care of children. And that all of this stuff that's happening and that has been happening, the only reason we're more aware of it now is because we have the internet and because we have news instantly at our fingertips. This stuff has been happening forever. New Mexico has failed its kids forever. In a lot of ways. We're last in education. We're first in child abuse. You know, we have so many horrible statistics. And, you know, the fact that people are getting away with it is not surprising to me. It's not getting better. It's not. And so the only reason I'm doing this... Well, maybe there's two. The first reason is I want people to pay attention. I want people... To be fucking outraged that this is continuing to happen. I want people to stop not caring about what's going on around them because they don't like politics or whatever. Because it's like if we continue to just ignore this shit, it's going to just keep getting worse. So that's the first part. The second part is I fucking want justice. I want justice for Jacob. I agree. I want him to pay for what he did to my brother. Here and now we're in the after too. Yeah. I want him to pay for what he did to you and to me and to our cousin, my cousin. Yeah. He should not be allowed to live a happy life free of any worries 
at all. There's no reason for it. There's no excuse. Mm-mm. He should rot in fucking prison. We have to go to town and wonder if we're going to see him or not. Like, that's just disgusting. That right. he's free and happy-go-lucky. You know, he got away with it. It's ridiculous. And his family... I read something that you documented where somebody... I won't say their name, but they approached you and... Came to my house. That was when we lived over there on... Um, Luis Lopez. Like, the things that that person said. She knows... She knows exactly what happened, and she didn't even see my paperwork. She, I mean, she, she said a couple times, we tried to warn you yeah. not to be with him. We tried to tell you, and you didn't listen to us. Exactly, and they never did. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> she knows she, he's a psycho. I don't know. That's, I've been scratching my head ever since that day. So this is when you were, like, gung-ho, trying to get somebody to listen to you, going to the DA, going to the police. Yeah. Trying to get it going, get something. Why aren't you guys doing anything? Why did you not do anything ever? Mm-hmm. Like, I have this autopsy report. What's going on? Like, how come the state cops are waiting for us at the hospital? Why didn't they take him? You know, he was there. Yeah. He was there. Why didn't they take him? There's no reason not to. Like, I don't get it. Did they pay him off or what? Well, the DA was, well, before that. So the DA, I remember you, I actually read in here uh, in your documentation, which I'm like super grateful that you did all of that because it really tells the whole story. But how he said that you changed your story and that's why he didn't prosecute. That's why he didn't press charges. And when I look back at what your story was, it wasn't a story. They asked you if you felt like he was capable of hurting Jacob. And you said, I don't think so. Exactly. So that's not your story. No. That's you answering a question, right? Right. Um, And I didn't think he was, or why would I leave my kid with him? Nobody thought he was. And we thought he was this great person. Like, there's no way I would send my son to somebody that was like that if I knew. Mm -hmm. And I didn't change my story ever. I guess the problem for me and, and the thing that bothers me the most is that just the blatant corruption and the blatant, like, lack of any kind of human understanding, empathy, empathy, uh, willingness to just fucking listen, you know? Like, we get maybe two feet forward, start talking to a cold case investigator with state police, and then it just falls off the face of the earth. Nothing happens. Who just, who does that? Who gets away with murder, basically? I made a Freedom of Information Act request for everything related to this case from the state police. Good. And I'm going to do another one with the county and another one with the city. Because I feel like there's probably a lot more to this than we even know. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm surprised they never did anything. And I don't understand why. Still, to this day. So, I think we're at a good like stopping place almost. But I do want to just get your last thoughts about what do you want to happen I just think if this story touches even one life if it helps even one person not to have to go to what we did it would be worth telling I want Jacob to have justice because it's not right that he couldn't talk and 
you know, I couldn't talk. And it took 33 years for me to let the story out. And, you know, I'm so proud of you and what you've done and what you're doing. And I believe in you. And I want to thank you for giving Jacob a voice and all the other kids. It's too late for mine, but it's not too late for somebody else's. If you see the signs, if your baby's scared, if they're holding on to you, they don't want to let go, something's wrong. Pay attention to those signs. Don't leave your babies with your boyfriends. They might be good con artists and, oh, I'll watch them, I'll watch them. Don't do it. Go with your gut, you know. Yeah. I felt it, and I couldn't do nothing about it because I was stuck at work. But I knew something was wrong. And look what happened. And I didn't pay attention to the signs because I didn't believe it. Because I've known him. I went to church with him. I went to school with him. I thought I knew this person, and I didn't at all. And I just want, if it saves one child, if it helps one mother, if it helps one son, not to go through this, that's what I want. Thank you, Mom. Thank you. Thank you. I know this was not easy. Anything worthwhile, isn't Thanks again for listening to True Consequences. Follow us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook at True Consequences Pod, and on Twitter at True Cons Pod. True Consequences is hosted, written, and produced by me, your host, Eric Carter-Landine. Thanks for listening, and stay safe, New Mexico.